All right. There we go. Wonderful, wonderful day. And I would like to invite our children that are here to remain up here. And for other children in the congregation, it is a time for children. Yeah, y'all join me up here. Can you move over so I can sit right there? Oh, thank you. Okay. Hello, Kobe. Hi there. Y'all want to come down this way so you can see? Bentley, y'all come down here so I can see. I want to see you. Yeah. Okay, come over here then. Thank you, bud. I appreciate it. How was everybody this morning? You mean you didn't eat enough turkey on Thursday to last you till this morning? I didn't eat turkey. I was on a cruise. Well, she was on a cruise. I'm glad you're home safe, though. Hope you had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you say, Cooper? You had one piece of turkey and that's it? Cranberry sauce. I like cranberry sauce, too. I hope y'all all had a good Thanksgiving. You were exhausted on Thanksgiving? Is that what you said? Oh, I'm telling you, we got all these tired kids here. Uh, cranberry sauce and what kind of roll? Oh, King's Hawaiian Rolls. Man, those are, those are a famous hit. With butter, of course. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. You ate about seven rolls? Wow. So let me, let me ask y'all, let me ask y'all a question. So y'all have had Thanksgiving. Y'all were not in school this week, right? Yeah. And you're tired and you're going back to school tomorrow. Yeah. Everybody hide. <laughs> okay. Well, let me let me ask you this question. So last Sunday, Pastor Caroline talked to y'all about being grateful, right, and giving thanks. Okay. Um, do y'all remember this week if you gave God a prayer of thanks? Because it was Thanksgiving, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell me, can y'all tell me how you would do a prayer of thanksgiving? What would you say? Yeah, Brian. Okay, and so, but y'all would hold hands together, okay? All right. Anybody else? How would you say a prayer of thanksgiving? Saying what you're thankful for from the Lord. Okay. So that's one kind of prayer, right? Is a prayer of thanksgiving? Yeah, Cooper? That you take into your body and it keeps you healthy and growing, right? Yeah, I like that, Cooper. So eating itself, especially if we're mindful that what we eat is a gift from God, okay? 
that that's a kind of prayer itself. What other kinds of prayers? What other kinds of prayers? We're talking about this this morning because Pastor Caroline is going to be preaching about a community and how they prayed, how they received prayer and stuff. What other kinds of prayers? Okay. Oh, yeah. Michael, what kind of prayer? Oh, I love it. Loves Daddy and Mommy and Baby Dominic. A prayer of love. I like that. I like that. What other kinds of prayers? Can you think of other kinds of prayers? Nope. Let me show y'all something. Okay, so y'all have seen Pastor Caroline. She she has beads. I couldn't find my beads. I have a set of beads at home. Prayer beads. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where you can pull on it. Okay. So we can also pray with our hands. And like this, you see this is a cross. Mm -hmm. And there's one up there. Now, that one I guess you could pray under. It'd be kind of hard to hold, don't you think? Yeah. So so we can hold small ones. We used these on Good Friday a couple of years ago, and we used them to pray the Lord's Prayer, right? So start at the cross. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. First not, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Yeah. So you can pray with your hands and you can put words to it or not. Let me show you something. I made this when I was in seminary. This is a set of Anglican prayer beads right here. Okay. And I keep these on my desk. And when I am talking on the phone to someone who's in the hospital or who may be sick or they ask for me to pray for them, I pick up these. And I hold them in my hand while I talk to them. And it helps me remember to pray for them, but also to know that God is with them in that moment. So there are different ways to pray, right? So as y'all are sleepy kids today, tired kids, getting ready. You're not tired. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Well, what I want, you have to go to school tomorrow. What I would like for y'all to remember is that our prayers are with you as you go to school and that our prayers are always with you because we love you and you are all children of God. Okay? All right. Let's uh, grab a hand. All right. And let's, let's pray. All right. Everybody got a hand? Okay. Gracious God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for people who pray for us. Receive our thanks this morning, dear God. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right. Y'all have a good week.
Our second scripture reading this morning comes to us from the letter to the Ephesians. We're in the first chapter, beginning with the 15th verse. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, Holy Spirit, beloved Son, dwell in us now that we may encounter you in your word. Amen. I love how this passage begins in Ephesians. I have heard of your faith. Something good is happening in the church, and people are talking about it. I don't know if it's an odd thing for this to be a favorite. I mean, if we think about it, the fact that they're writing a letter to the church in Ephesus and that they've just heard of it means, you know, our writer might not have ever even been to Ephesus, might not have ever met this particular congregation. But good things are happening there. And somehow the word has gotten around. And so here is this letter to the church. And you know, that means that this church has a good reputation. This isn't publicity. This, this is not a publicity blitz here. I mean, exactly how would you do a publicity blitz in that day and age? I don't know. There's no social media. There's no internet. There's no news channels. Although the children next week might beg to differ on that point. There's no emails. There's no newspapers. Exactly how would you do a publicity blitz? And even if you could, I'm just enough of a cynic to doubt that that would even work. Back when I was at First Church Humble, we did a communication survey to our members. Do you listen to the announcements in church? No. Do you read the announcements in the bulletin? No. Does your Sunday school class read the announcements? No. Do you read the church emails? No. Do you feel informed about what is going on at your church? No, and I'm mad about it. This is not publicity. This is reputation. The good news has been shared because somebody was so excited about what was happening in Ephesus that they shared the news. 
and word has gotten around. And when word gets around, what is the first thing that we hear? I give thanks for you, and you are in my prayers. I'm going to pray for you. Now, why exactly does this church need prayers? Why would that be the first response? I mean, they're already doing good things. And the advice and the instruction is going to come later. But that's not where we start. We don't start with, okay, now let me tell you what to do next. We don't start with, let me tell you how to make this into a publicity campaign. We don't start with, let me tell you the next big event that you should do so that the people in Corinth and Philippi will hear about it and will spread in the connection. No. We start with prayer. You are in my prayers and I pray for you that you might have the wisdom of God and the light of God. Why do we start there? Well, maybe it's because this is probably a pretty young church. I mean, they're all pretty young churches at this point. Christianity has not been around all that long. They are all new people of the way. Especially here in Ephesus, because this isn't a Jewish audience. These are people who did not grow up with the faith of Abraham and Sarah. These people did not grow up with the faith of Isaac and Rebekah. They are brand new to this idea of one living, loving, forgiving, reconciling God. This is new. And so they need prayers because there are so many steps that we take after our baptism. There are so many journeys that are to come from that moment that we make that profession of faith to how we live it out day by day. There are a lot of challenges and journeys and steps yet to come. And so they need prayers. Even though they are already doing such good work. It reminds me of uh, college days. You know, college students can get real excited about stuff. And when I was at the Wesley Foundation, you were around quite a few people who got really fired up about their faith. And they were going to start a new Bible study, and they were going to join the Crossbound Choir, and they were going to be there any time the doors were open, maybe even other times as well, annoying their roommate to no end, because that's all they could talk about. But how long does that sustain us? We need prayers, and we need God's people to keep encouraging us and supporting us beyond that day. We go to Bridgeport, we go to camp, we go on retreat, and we have a fantastic experience. We call it the mountaintop, and your chest just swells, and your heart is full. But then you got to do the day-to-day. And so, yes, absolutely, prayers are needed. Why prayer? Why prayer is a first response? Well, if this really is a community that is brand new to this Christianity thing, they have just made individually and as a church this radical transformation in their identity. They are no longer just part of the Roman masses. They have a brand new identity as a child of God, as a child of light, as people of the way. 
And it is so brand new. It is so easy to slip back into the mundane of everyday life. And if we're honest, it's even real easy for us who have been at it a little bit longer. It's so easy to get consumed by the demands of our jobs. It's so easy to get consumed with the needs of our family and our household. Making sure the groceries are bought and the meals are cooked and they have a coat for the winter and the bills are paid and make the repair for the plumber. And it's so easy to forget that new identity. It's so easy to forget and be distracted by diversions. Like what kind of new living room sofa and rug should I get? And have we figured out our holiday schedule yet? We got the children's musical and the night in Bethlehem and Reindeer Project. And where are we going Christmas Eve? And when are we getting the tree out? Are we doing Christmas lights this year? Are we doing Christmas cards this year? It's so easy. It's so easy to get sucked down. Because that debt is hanging over us. Because the office gossip that we get sucked into. Toward that time that you were going to take to rest and refresh when really it just ended up kind of being a drain on your time and not very refreshing at all. It's so easy to forget that identity. So yes, prayers to remember that we have heard of your faith because you are a child of God and to pray for God to continually be at work to continue to reveal God's wisdom and to continue to show us the path. Why prayers? Why begin with prayer? Why begin with prayer? Because the journey is long. Right? And it's so easy to get weary to question, and to slip away. And John Wesley knew this. John Wesley, our father in Methodism, he had a thing or two to say about this. He struggled. He struggled nearly to the end about this whole idea of how we know we're saved and what happens after that. Because unfortunately, he discovered and confirmed that this illumination of the heart is not just a one and done. I mean, the Holy Spirit didn't just blow through the church at Ephesus and convert all the sinners and leave them in heaven on earth. And unfortunately, that didn't happen in Garland either. There is more work to be done. And John Wesley wrestled with this. If I'm really saved, how come all the darkness and doubt hasn't been totally driven out of me? How come I continue to struggle? And the conclusion that he came to is that experience of God was real. That experience of God and salvation was real and authentic, but we're not done. We call it the means of grace. God active in our lives before we were even aware of it. That moment, maybe that mountaintop at Bridgeport or at camp or in college or beyond, where we go, yes. I know the living, loving God, and I know that God loves me. And then the day-to-day of continuing to grow in grace, of striving to do more, of figuring out where our blind spots are, of figuring out what the needs of the world are and feeling called to it, 
And John Wesley said that is the work that we have yet to do. And so we need the prayers. We need the prayers of God's people to continue to encourage us, to surround us. Sometimes in love to show us where our blind spots are. To make us aware of places of injustice that we covenanted in our baptism and profession to address. Why prayer? Why begin there? Because ministry is hard work. Whether you're doing this as a vocation or whether you are living out your baptismal covenant, this is tough stuff. Ministry is not for slackers. I mean, did you listen to the vows that this family just took to resist evil, injustice, and oppression? That's big stuff. You promise to serve Christ as your Lord with all people. All people. This is big orders. And we can get weary on the journey. We can get tired. We can get burned out if we don't stay connected to God and to one another. I remember the first year that Pastor Valerie was here, she came to the staff and she said, I need names. And she wanted from each one of us a name or two of a person that we would love to pray for us by name. So that each staff person had a person in the congregation that was regularly praying for them as we have for these prayers in Ephesus. Because the work of ministry is big. Do you have one of those people praying for you? Somebody took vows at your baptism. I bet a whole lot of somebody's took vows at your baptism. That they would be praying for you. And encouraging you. And you have done that for one another. And for these beautiful children. To pray for one another. And to ask for those prayers when we need them. Even when things are going well. I mean, things in Ephesus, it's not like they're down in the dumps. People have heard of their faith. Things are happening there. We don't have to wait till we're down and out to ask for the prayers. To give the prayers for God's children. For all of God's children. For all the saints. And why? Why all these prayers? In order that we may know the hope to which we have been called. Did you hear that? We have hope and you have a calling. You have a calling. First United Methodist Church Garland has a calling. And it's different than whatever's going on in Thessalonica. It is different than what's going on in other parts of the empire. It is unique to them. And here in Garland, there is a call. And it's different than what's happening in Wiley and Saxion, Rowlett and Richardson. It's different than what's happening with our other Methodist brothers and sisters in Garland. But we have these prayers. We pray for our church and one another because there is a hope to which we have been called, to which you have been called you there is one and so we continue the hope that's part of our new mission statement well slightly revised mission statement that we've had for a while we are cultivating christian community at first united methodist church garland by loving god by living faith serving people and inspiring hope 
Because Garland is a place that needs hope. Our world is a place that needs hope. Today is Christ the King Sunday. It's on the top of your bulletin there. Christ the King Sunday on our church calendar, our liturgical calendar of seasons. It's kind of like New Year's Eve for us. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, and we begin fresh in a new year on the Christian calendar. But today is the last Sunday of the Christian year. We saw the baby, the Christ child, enter our world, God in the flesh. We journeyed through Lent and the desert and the wilderness to the cross with Christ. We celebrated at Easter We celebrated and celebrated and celebrated and then took a deep breath of the Holy Spirit of Pentecost that sent us out into the world and continued in our discipleship. And here we are at the end of the year pronouncing that Christ is the King. The name above all names in this age and in the ages to come. And that is the hope to which that we have been called That we cling to this day. And that next Sunday, we begin the journey again. Waiting and waiting for God with us. And we're going to journey together. And during Advent, we're going to be that people of hope. So that here and beyond, people will hear of our faith. Next Sunday, these children are going to proclaim the good news to us. I cry every year. Doesn't matter if my kids are in it or not. I cry every year. Because here are children with the words of God written on their hearts. And then we have the reindeer project. And there are hundreds, not to frighten you, but hundreds of people who are going to enter our building so that we can love on all God's people And there are hundreds of people that are now, that are already living in this community, that now look at that orange brick building with the angel outside and know that's a place where people love them, a place of hope. They're going to come to Bethlehem. And they're going to need the bread and grind the spices and make a little clay pot. And then they're going to go and gaze at the baby and say, is that him? Is that really him? And they're going to know that this is a place where Christ dwells. They're going to know that this is a place of hope. And it's not going to end there. Because we're going to keep praying for one another. And I'm going to keep praying for you. And you're going to keep praying for me. That we might continue to be connected to God. And know the hope to which we have been called. Amen.